good. Just the reality of what God desires to do when we really combine our faith with all um, that he's laid before us. You know, there's communion in the uh, back of the center section that's available every Sunday. Sometimes we take together communion all together as a family. But every week that is there. There is something significant about your going during worship and just receiving communion, the broken body, shed blood of Christ in uh, our time of worship. And so um, I just invite you to think about the sacraments that we are uh, devoting ourselves to as the church and really applying all of our hearts to have faith for what that is. So if you're interested in being baptized, fill out a Connect card or you can do that online. But uh, you can drop a Connect card in one of our giving stations and we'll follow up with you to give you some details. But I encourage you just to obey the Lord in this. How many of you know if you just listen and obey, man, life, how many of you wish all your life prior to now you would have just listened and obeyed, right? Boy, I wish I could go back, <laughs> a couple of times especially. But I thank God he just picks up from where we are and helps us move forward in everything that he's called us to. So today I really do want to talk about true treasure. True treasure. Again, it's way too easy to miss the things that matter the most. In this whole focus of spiritual wellness, we've looked at what it means for Adam, who was a son of God, to be separated from his father God, and then an orphan spirit perpetuated throughout the generations. And when we accept Christ, he redeems us and restores us in our relationship with the Father, conquering and breaking the orphan spirit in our lives. Can I get an amen on that? And so I'm thankful that that orphan spirit is conquered, but how many of you know just because the orphan spirit is conquered the orf doesn't mean the orphan mindset is done away with. And that in and of itself is a process, and that's where we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. But what we read to endorse what I'm talking about week after week in the season has been John 14, verses 18 to 21. I will not leave you as orphans. Jesus promised, I will not leave you as orphans, <clears throat> but the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And so the, the way that the orphan spirit is redeemed or in our lives were restored is the love of the Father. It really makes sense and all of it starts to come together to awaken things within us. God transforms us from orphans by adopting us as sons and daughters. There's a book by Jack Frost um, called Slavery to Sonship. And it's a great chart. I would suggest you grab your phone and take a picture of it as it pops up on the screen just to look at this over the course of the week. Google it. It's a great book to read. But, but in this particular book, on this page, I was just reading it and realizing he's got a great layout of the difference between uh, orphans and sons and daughters in the way they have and view an image of God. The orphan mindset is that God is master. The son and daughter is God is father. The idea of dependency is very different. The orphan mindset is I'm going to be independent. Uh, but the son and daughter mindset is a family element. I'm going to be interdependent. Theology of the orphan is born from the law, this harsh conclusion of having to earn something. But theology of sons and daughters is born from the heart of grace, understanding that I've found full favor with God Almighty. Uh, security in the heart of the orphan, they are insecure, but in the heart of the sons and daughters, they have true rest and peace. And then finally, I'll just uh, stop with this, but approval. The orphan is in a mindset of having to strive for the approval of God. But the son or daughter, they understand that they are fully accepted. And it was our emphasis uh, over a year ago 
but you are fully known by God. And that in and of itself can freak you out just a little bit. Like he knows everything. He knows every decision you've ever made, good or bad. Being fully known by God can strike terror in your heart. But the reality is when you couple that with the revelation of Christ, you're not only fully known by God, you're fully loved by God. And it's a beautiful reality when we start to understand he's drawn us in uh, to be sons and daughters of God. But the orphan mindset, the orphan attitude is easily distracted with these counterfeit pursuits making it all too easy to miss the things that matter the most. And you can, um, I don't know, I've, I figured this out. People that seem to have it all together spiritually and even in other ways, uh, the, once you kind of get to know them and they're like so solid, then it's not too long before you figure out there are certain areas in their life they really don't have it all together. How many of you know nobody actually truly has it all together? And it can be very disillusioning when... Um, you know, I remember when I first became a Christian and I was coming out of such a funk in my life. It was just so crazy. Um, but when I came to the Lord and I suddenly saw my spiritual leaders, I mean, I just had this mindset, this perspective, and I, I elevated my conclusion about who they truly were. And then I got, in the course of time, I got involved with the church to the degree I started interning with those leaders that I had elevated. And you know what I found out was those leaders are actually human just like you and I. And it was a little bit disillusioning when I started understanding the human moments could actually put me off. And then I had to struggle with the idea of a certain spiritual respect and a certain human frustration. Sounds a little bit like marriage, doesn't it? And how that works together uh, in, the, in the journey. By the way, speaking of marriage, congratulations, Charlie and Lorinda. We're well, really uh, excited for you guys. So come on. We just as a family celebrate your recent uh, wedding. It's very important that we understand that our focus needs to be where our focus needs to be. <laughs> I mean, really valuing the things that God values. Because when we get lost in our pursuits, it's kind of like um, I heard the story of this guy, and he was, uh, had a, a metal detector, if you ever used one of those, and he, he suddenly heard the beep, and it was a really strong beep. And so he thought, for sure, I have found something significant. He starts digging. And he digs a few feet down and realizes uh, he's, he's still not gotten to it. Maybe I've missed it. You know, was it something that I threw out with the dirt? And so he, he's using his uh, metal detector again. He gets a strong beep. Again, really strong. He keeps digging. No kidding. True story. Um, he actually was picking up the sound. The beep was coming from his steel toe boots. He, he dug 12 feet before he realized the sound was his steel-toed boots giving him the beep. It made me think about in our own lives so many times we are given our all to dig deep and find something that we actually already possess. The kingdom of God is within your reach. Life's greatest treasures are right there 
She said, that's deep. It was 12 feet deep. That's how deep that is. <laughs> this is reality, isn't it? Like so much exists right here within. The kingdom of God is at hand. Life's greatest treasures are within your reach. Stop trying to look beyond your spouse as if you didn't marry the perfect mate. Because I just want you to know the perfect mate is not out there. Maybe life's greatest treasures are right there within your reach. Stop trying to find the perfect job. Because I can tell you this, the perfect job does not exist. It's about the assignment of the Lord and embracing the treasures that are of eternal value. And I feel the Lord really wants us to understand this today. The orphan attitude perpetuates this self-absorbed spiritual weakness that is exhausted with pursuit rather than this Christ-centered spiritual strength. The orphan mindset has little energy left to pursue the things that matter. Because they don't understand the things that truly matter. And they're giving themselves to something other. And so what I believe God's wanting to do is bring a, a focus for us today. And the question that every one of us needs to really be honest about is, are you? Let me just ask it in first person. Am I, Lord help me, am I distracted with pursuits that don't really matter? Am I giving the energy and resource of my life to the things that are actually distractions because I don't understand what truly matters right before me? I want to take you to a really interesting portion of Scripture in John chapter 19. I want to allow his word to speak for itself in this incredible story. Your commission today is going to be to read the, this uh, chapter, John chapter 19. But I want to give you these two verses, and I want us to see something Really remarkable. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, here's Jesus hanging on a cross, and the soldiers have crucified him. They are now within feet of Jesus hanging on the cross. And it says, They took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. The idea is somebody wealthy had probably given this particular garment to Jesus and it actually had a lot of value. So the soldiers said to one another, hey, let's not tear it, but let's cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. And this was to fulfill the scripture, which by the way was prophesied in Psalms 22:18, And it says, they divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. Lord, would you just bless the reading of your word? Your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. I can bring inspiring insights around your word, but the true power is found in your word. So help us, Lord, to engage in what you're desiring to reveal and awaken something within us to understand what you're desiring for us to possess out of this in Jesus' mighty name. These soldiers, reiterate again, were just a few feet away from the greatest treasure the world had ever known. I want you to think about this. They were just a few feet away from the greatest treasure the world had ever known. But instead of beholding the eternal treasure of Christ that was right there within their reach, they were focused 
on striving to gain earthly pleasure, they were casting lots for this expensive piece of clothing. It is all too easy to miss the things that matter the most. I mean, I just sense a deafening sound of conviction in our hearts today that helps bring a correction to our focus where we start to see things with greater clarity. God's really wanting to do some things in this particular season of the church. And it's very important that we not just go about business as usual, but we really make room to allow him to have his way. Instead of just going about the pursuit of the earthly treasure that we're all in this you know, pursuit, we're applauded for, for our hardworking ambition, all those things, instead of just staying focused in that direction, are we really pausing to think about what really matters? Let me just make the statement to you that we say often around this place. Opportunities are distractions if they're not assignments for your life. You know, it's just been a few years ago, I sat in a meeting with our elders. We had a phenomenal opportunity that came our way. I met a man that, uh, through a series of interactions, he began to share with me what he had done. He was actually a retired colonel uh, and um, had decided just to make a difference in this particular tribe in Kenya, uh, a, a community. And he started traveling over, taking teams of people. They established an orphanage. They built a fish farm. Uh, they built a water well. They not only had a fish farm, but they had a worm farm. And it was a reciprocal feeding relationship, uh, how the worms would feed the fish, and then the fish would be, water would be filtered into the, the dirt, which would then feed the worms. And, and the, uh, the water uh, system actually was built by golf cart batteries that he took over. I mean, it was just this phenomenal uh, masterpiece of an idea that he had put together, and, and all these volunteers had worked over the course of years to develop, and the, the batteries had a solar panels that would keep them charged that could run the pump, and then they had surrounding communities that wanted to come and get the water, and in order to get the water, they had to work for this community that he was establishing in order to be able to take water back to their homes. It was this beautiful, self-sustaining, self-perpetuating uh, Orphanage. They wound up uh, establishing this as an orphanage, providing education. They had 70 individuals, 70 children that lived in this orphanage. They had a staff. They had uh, a budget that was already established. They had multiple corporations in the U.S. as well as a number of different individuals. And they were all funding. Every month they were sending money to take care of this. He was fully funded. Oh, by the way, they had a 1.5 million track of land that was about to go for sale that would have had no problem selling. And, and so he just said to me, I just, I, I'm older. Our church isn't interested in this. I'd like to turn this over to somebody who would really like to make it happen. It's generating enough income. You could actually hire a staff member to be your missions pastor, and this would be your missions project. How many of you know, like, I prayed about it. Amen. Yes, Lord. I mean, not only is all of it fully funded, but all we have to do is say yes, and we have more than a million dollars transferred into our hands. How many of you would like to be a millionaire? I mean, all this right here, it's just like, is there even a reason to pray about something like that? How many of you right now inside, there's this inner conflict, because yes, but I don't know, it seems obvious, but what's he going to say? 
I mean, that's kind of where we were. Like, surely this is the Lord. And we sat in our elders' meeting, and one of the elders across the table looked at me and said, I've heard you say it a number of times, Pastor, and this is just my opinion. Opportunities are distractions if they're not a part of the assignment. And we didn't get a million and a half dollar richer. And we didn't take this fully funded scenario because we just discerned it wasn't of the Lord. Can I just ask you, are we spiritually mature enough to bypass opportunities that are meant to distract us or even hijack us in our lives? It's pretty important that we wrestle this down and come to a resolve in our own hearts and our own lives that really what matters to the Lord is what matters to us. We can be in the presence of the greatest treasure of all time and be so focused on earthly pursuits that we completely miss what matters the most. You know, it's culturally common for us to live with this attitude of lack, an attitude of want, especially in our social media comparison world. Uh, I, I should be more, I should do more, I should have more. It's this attitude of lack that perpetuates. You can probably uh, relate to the idea of just constantly feeling like I don't have enough. Uh, it's just a reality. We wake up. Anybody ever wake up and you think, I didn't get enough sleep? Anybody go through your day and you think, I didn't, get, I didn't have enough time? Anybody ever lay down at night and you think, I didn't get enough done? I mean, it's just this mindset, isn't it, that perpetuates particularly in our culture. And if you're not careful, you'll be so frustrated with your feeling of lack that you can't even embrace the revelation that God has given us in his word. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I want more. I want to be more. I want to do more. I want to accomplish more. I want to have more. I want... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you neglect the eternal treasure that God is trying to impart into your life, you'll constantly be in this futile pursuit of something more that will never, ever fulfill the drive and the desire that's God-given. I, I, all I'm saying is it's way too easy to miss the things that matter the most. So how are you making time for the things that truly matter? within your family, within your finances, within your relationships, with your vocation? How are you making time for the things that truly matter? Because priorities are not priorities unless you pursue them more than other things. If you say, that's a priority, I just don't have time for it. And I don't know if you understand or not, it's not a priority. You should call it something else. If you don't have time for it, it's not a priority because other things are more important. So priorities are the things that you have decided, I will put these at the top of the list. And I believe God is moving us from having a Christian label to pursuing a Christian life where we are prioritizing the heart of God as our first and foremost pursuit. How many of you are ready to move from a Christian label to a Christian life? I tell you, we're, we're going to step into another season soon. 
In fact, July 4th, uh, that's introduction to the table revelation that God is bringing. We're going to start focusing in on this and understanding more of what this really means, uh, the power of the table. This is the thing I want you to understand. As we step into that particular season, we're going to be addressing the culturally common Christian idea of believing a way of Christianity without embracing or participating in discipleship. You got to understand what I'm saying. I don't want to go too too off too far off in this, but let me just speak this to the atmosphere, because if you can hold true to the idea of a Christian faith that you believe in, but you undermine the very commission, the great commission of Scripture, then you might have an empty shell of religion that you think is actually okay when it's really not. What I'm saying is. It's way too easy to miss the things <laughs> that matter the most. Everybody okay today? We really want to just bring a focus of the mission, the message, and the ministry of Jesus. And so what that means is we devote ourselves to a sacrificial pursuit of the things that really matter to God. We devote ourselves to a sacrificial pursuit of the things that really matter to God. We love the people around us sacrificially, not just when it's convenient, not just when it's easy. How many you know it's easy to love the lovable? And the Bible talks about this, but has anybody work with somebody? If you're, if you're part of the church staff, if you just keep your hand down, does anybody here work with somebody and they seem to be unlovable at times? Can I just see, raise your hand? Uh, I'm not gonna go past your workspace. I'm not gonna talk about your home or your family, all right? But, but at the workspace, you, you work with somebody who seems to be unlovable at times. I want you to know it's the greater sacrifice and a worshipful expression to the Lord your God when you actually love not just the lovable, but you love the unlovable. It takes a greater sacrifice on your part. You have to die to yourself more readily to really love a person that seems so unlovable. It's easy to love someone back, but when we follow the example of Christ, we love someone first. And even if they don't love us back, we still continue to love them. Aren't you glad Jesus continued to love you when you didn't love him back right at first? And this is the example that he sets for us to follow. To love sacrificially, to serve sacrificially. Find ways to minister to people. This past week, Tracy and I opened our home to a meeting and a conversation and an interaction around the table. And and I found myself uh, knowing kind of some things that were going on in our schedule. I found myself having to get the house ready and do a couple of things that were required. By the way, um, wives, you really don't have to have all that stuff done to have someone over at your house. Can I get an amen, men? And so, but, but because happy wife, happy life is somewhere in the Bible, I'm sure Tracy wanted all these things done. So I'm working on them. And I found myself having having a little bit of a bad attitude about having to do all this stuff, about having to have all these people over that we were going to serve. And then I realized what I was doing, and I was undermining everything about the ministry value of the sacrifice that I was making. And I just paused, and I said, Lord, I want this to be worship to you. And I want this to be service to others. I want this to be pleasing to the Lord. What I'm saying is it's all too easy to miss the things that matter the most. Life's greatest treasure is right there within our reach. And if we're not careful, we get hijacked and distracted into a disposition that takes us away from worshiping the king of kings. He's right there, and we're casting lots for a garment. Come on. Loving sacrificially, serving sacrificially, giving 
sacrificially. I had a family not too long ago, new to the church, and they said, Pastor, we've been coming here for two weeks. You haven't said anything about giving? I mean, they were a little put out with us. You're not passing any offering buckets? And I said, I'm sorry. We're, we're sorting through what all that's supposed to look like for us, and, and we've just kind of gone away from that you know, rally approach where we get up and rev everybody up, and, and I appreciated the way Pastor A.T. brought this in a recent... Uh, message he brought, and, and just we're, we're moving past the idea of, of, you know, trying to convince you that we're doing so many things in the community, and your money is really well spent, and we appeal to your emotion by doing that. Or we try and convince you, listen, if you give, God's going to bless you and give you back, and we appeal to greed, and it endorses your flesh, the very thing that God's trying to deliver you from. Hey, you know, this is a complicated topic in the day in which we live, and the modern-day church has really gotten this wrong. But what we're trying to do is get this right. And here's what it's all about. It's about worship. It's about saying, I want to honor the Lord. I mean, tithing and offering, you know, that, this has always been a part of worship throughout all the beginning of the established body of Christ, temple, all, all of God basically revealing his family. It always has involved tithing and giving as an expression of worship. What we want to do as a church family, we want you to step into a place of mature worship in the way God blesses your life and it increases your life and you tithe and give offerings as an expression of worship and adoration to the Lord. God's trying to get your heart. He's not really after your dollar. He's after your heart. But the Bible says where you put your treasure, that's where your heart will go. And when you begin to invest in the kingdom of God as an expression of worship, it enlarges your heart to walk with God. That's what this is about. So find a giving station and participate as, your, as an expression of worship. Give online, however you're going to do that, as an expression of worship. But I don't want to get you in this room and get you online and, and this week talk you out of your rent because I've manipulated a motive in the situation. I want you to take a more mature, intentional, and deliberate approach than that. God's longing for a people whose hearts are in deep fellowship with him, who are living their lives in a sacrificial pursuit of a true revelation of Christ. And even when they are tempted to give themselves to the pursuit of this treasure of the earth, they'll pause and behold the eternal treasure of Christ that is right there within our reach. The kingdom of God is at hand. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. What we want to do is focus on the mission of Jesus as our highest priority. I want you to hear this statement because this is really what we're trying to figure out how to effectively do. I just want you to know it's a complicated day to be leading a church. How many of you know? But that's always been the case as long as the church has been around. And all we need is the wisdom of God and the love of Christ and the body of Christ coming together in unity and communion and connection. And as we do that, the kingdom of God then begins to expand in the earth. So, so hear this. We want to focus on the mission of Jesus as our highest priority. What is the mission of Jesus as our highest priority? Bringing our attention to the eternal things that truly matter. So I, I want to read this particular verse of scripture out of the good news translation and I want to ask you to stand and I want us just to embrace 
what God is revealing in this particular verse. This translation is a unique translation to help us to understand. But I even just want you to prepare your heart to receive his word. I want to reiterate, what you don't need is for us to rally together and for me to rev you up with inspiring, motivational, religious rhetoric. What you do need, that's the clever, what you do need is the power. God's word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Let me just tell you, I did not understand this in times past. My own drive and ambition has, you know, at times set me on a course doing what I'm doing for God and we're going to go for it. Now, I've had to really repent for such arrogance and pride in times past. There's something God's doing in this season of the church that's taking us to a posture of true humility where we're just surrendering our hearts to him. We're enjoying his presence. We're beholding the eternal treasure of God rather than casting lots for an earthly treasure that tries to hijack and distract our lives. We behold the eternal presence of God. Listen to this verse of scripture and just absorb it, receive it. I am always aware of the Lord's presence. (laughs) Wow, that in and of itself. How many of you want that to be your life? I am always aware of the Lord's presence. Not a moment of my day goes by when I'm not aware of the Lord's presence. I am always aware of the Lord's presence. He is near and nothing can shake me. I want to ask you this week to make time to reflect on the true treasure of Christ and his sacrificial nature as you read John 19. Just make time to read the chapter. Read it over and over. Reflect on what we're talking about and allow the Holy Spirit just to breathe fresh and new inspiration. We'll all be taught by God. Our sons and daughters will be taught by God. Make that room. That's your action point this week. We bring God's presence to real life by setting something into motion as a result of what we heard. Otherwise, we're just hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. I'm always aware of the Lord's presence. He is near, and nothing can shake me. I'm always aware of the Lord's presence. Lord, I pray that you would take us into a more mature, intentional, and deliberate awareness of your presence. We would learn what it is to really get into your word, to embrace the author of the book rather than merely reading the book. We would cultivate an atmosphere of worship in our homes and in our cars where everything that we're doing, everywhere that we're going, becomes an expression of experiencing your presence that in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods and online and everywhere that we're having a footprint or an expression, that we would constantly be aware of your presence and maybe what you're desiring to speak into a conversation where we can learn to have a response rather than people have to deal with our reaction. I am always aware of the Lord's presence. He is near and nothing can shake me. You really can learn to live in the presence of God as a way of life. 
It doesn't just happen because you devote yourself to be religiously aware. It happens because you surrender your life to Jesus Christ who came and lived and died and was buried in a grave but is risen from the grave on the third day he came back to life. He is in this room by his spirit ministering to our hearts while we're having a conversation about the power of his word today. He's drawing us in to a deeper place. Would you just surrender to Jesus today? I, I ask everybody, would you surrender to Jesus today? Maybe for you online or in this room, it's your first moment to really accept Christ and say, I surrender to Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe for, the, for uh, someone else, it's, you're, you're, you're well uh, mature in your walk with the Lord, but it's another level of surrender every day. Paul said, I die daily surrendering to the cross of Christ. So come on, would you just join me? Lord, we surrender to you. Posture yourself just in a way with your heart open wide, maybe just with your hands and surrender as an expression to the Lord your God. Lord, we surrender to you. I thank you that we can always be aware of your presence as we embrace the cross of Christ and we learn to live a sacrificial life following the example of Christ. You're the Savior of the world, Lord. Thank you that you came to rescue us and deliver us from an orphan mindset by introducing us to the Father through your own broken body and your own shed blood. And as we accept Christ, believe in our heart, declare with our mouths Jesus is Lord, we suddenly step into a, a mindset out of an orphan perspective, out of an orphan spirit, into a son and daughter position before you. We receive now all that you desire to do within our lives in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you agree, Jesus is Lord. Why don't you give him a hand clap of praise and let's press in and worship God just for a few moments before we conclude.